1: Hi, Oddings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. There's a reason the eyes are considered the windows to the soul. You can tell someone's sincerity by looking into them. And if you stare long enough, some say you can even fall in love. First, we'll listen to a tale about a doll with oddly realistic golden eyes. Then, I interview Chelsea Weber-Smith, the host of American Hysteria, a podcast that explores our moral panics, urban legends, and conspiracy theories, and how they shape our psychology and culture, and why we end up believing them. Chelsea also shares some personal ghost stories, and I give them a tarot reading. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Window to the Soul. This story was inspired by a submission from Elaine Buckner. A long time ago, I went to an antique store with my dad. We had just finished lunch nearby and wanted to poke around at the local shops. There were a lot of really interesting items, vintage furniture and old paintings, but I was immediately drawn to the section where all the dolls were. I loved dolls, especially the porcelain ones that close their eyes when you lay them down to sleep. I picked one up and was admiring her golden-hued irises when I heard a voice call out to me. It was an old lady sitting behind the counter. I assumed she was the owner. You like dolls, little lady? She croaked, her voice coarse and dry. I nodded enthusiastically. Yes, I do! She motioned for me to come over to the counter. That's a very special doll, she continued. Her name is Savannah. She was mine when I was a young girl, just like you. The old lady continued to ask me questions about my life, my interests, my hobbies, my goals in life. I was used to older people being friendly and inquisitive, so I didn't mind at all. I just love children, the lady said. So full of life, so much potential, not like me. My sight's not what it used to be. Enjoy every moment of your youth, dear. My dad joined me at the counter, but when I showed him Savannah, he told me he wasn't going to buy me yet another doll, then headed back outside. Dejected, I placed the doll back on the counter when the old lady handed it back to me and winked. I hadn't really noticed how white her eyes were before. I thanked her and left the store. Savannah was my new favorite doll, Even though she was from an antique shop, she was in very good condition. I loved twirling her soft blonde ringlets of hair. Her dress had beautiful embroidered patterns that were extremely fun to run my fingers over. She was the latest addition to my afternoon pretend tea parties where I'd prop up my dolls in a circle along with my baby sister, Lexi. I was sipping make-believe tea and gabbing about my imaginary travels all over the world. But I noticed that Lexi was upset She was usually a happy, quiet baby, but she was frowning and whimpering. Doll, she mumbled. I grabbed one of my older dolls and waved it in front of her, but it didn't seem to cheer her up. I thought maybe Savannah might be able to calm her down, so I grabbed her and brought her close. But that's when Lexi began screaming. I dropped Savannah and picked up my baby sister. I bounced her up and down in my arms, trying to calm her down. Once she'd stopped crying, I set her back down on the floor near Savannah, who was laying on her back, eyes closed shut. Over the next few days, Lexi continued to act up like this, but only when Savannah was around. I didn't want to admit it at the time, but Savannah was also starting to make me feel uneasy too. Her eyes, even though they were yellow, felt so real, so lifelike. I decided to put Savannah away in my closet, The next day, there was a knock on the door. I was in my room playing with my sister and I heard my dad answer. Then I heard his voice get louder and more angry. I went over to see what was going on. Right outside the door was the old lady from the antique shop. How did she know where we lived? Why was she here? My dad turned to me. Did you steal that doll? He said, accusingly. She gave it to me, I replied defensively. Don't worry, I'm not here to take her back, the old lady explained. I just wanted to see if you were enjoying her. Are you still playing with her? I was quiet for a few moments. I didn't want to tell her that the doll actually creeped me out now and it was stuffed behind my clothes. So I lied. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. It isn't polite to lie, the old lady screeched. It caught me and my dad off guard. You better take her out of that closet or I'll make you regret not appreciating your youth. At this point, my dad basically shoved her off our front steps and slammed the door. I had no idea what had just happened. What was so special about that doll? I went back to my room and dug Savannah out of my closet. I looked deep into her yellow eyes, those hyper-realistic eyes, and then it hit me. I felt incredibly nauseous. I had brought Savannah with me everywhere. She'd slept in bed with me. She sat on the sink while I showered. She saw everything. The old lady saw everything. I knew what I had to do. I held Savannah high in the air and smashed her on the ground. Her face shattered all over the floor. Her glass eyes began to roll away and I rammed my shoe on top of each of them until they were no more than tiny bits. A wave of relief washed over me. I went to go celebrate my small victory with Lexi. I grabbed her under the arms and hoisted her up in the air, swinging her gently and smiling cheerily at her. I didn't put her down until I noticed her yellow-colored eyes.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well.
1: And now, more Something Scary. So I'm thinking about starting a new podcast series where I interview interesting creators in the horror and paranormal space. We would talk about who they are as a person and what led them to where they are today. Then they'd share any personal ghost stories or crazy conspiracy theories they may have. And then we would finish the discussion with a hopefully thoughtful tarot reading. And that's just what I did with Chelsea. I had a really fun time chatting with them. So let me know what you think. And if you'd like to hear more interviews like this. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea, for joining me.
3: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm
1: so excited. Yeah, so you have a really great show called American Hysteria. And so I would love it if you just let my listeners know a little bit about you and what led you to hosting this show.
3: Okay, yes. So... The show American Hysteria is about uh, moral panics, urban legends, and conspiracy theories, but it's a little bit of a different take on those things. It's not necessarily like we're going to tell you this really interesting story. It's more that we're going to tell you the story of how this story became a story, right? Because our stories are so important <laughs> uh-huh. in our culture, and I've always been fascinated with urban legends, conspiracy theories. I used to be a. If you listen to the show, you'll learn that I was once a conspiracy theorist myself, and I sort of include my own personal journey in the story. And uh, what led me to the show is just an interest in that. I mean, when I was a teenager, I, I loved horror and I loved urban legends and all the strange things in the world. And I think as I got older and got more interested in things like psychology and sociology, it just expanded out into more of an interest less in the stories themselves, but again, as I said before, sort of why we tell these stories in the certain moment that we tell them and how those stories also kind of carry through the generations and evolve. So I just really believe that when we look at the past and we look at the stories that we've been telling for a very, very long time, we can understand the present moment a little bit better. And that's really what I wanted to do. And, uh, How I got here was I worked for a company called Hunt a Killer. Uh, I still do, but we've expanded out to be called Skylark. And uh, Hunt a Killer is a uh, murder mystery experience that you can get monthly. And I started writing blogs for them. And then uh, they let me do a podcast eventually called Behind True Crime, where I interviewed people that worked in true crime, uh, directors, podcasters, uh, writers, psychologists, you know, you name it. And then uh, they let me pitch American Hysteria and... uh, I did it. So this is where we are. I love it. You mentioned that you were a former
1: conspiracy theorist or that's how you put it. Uh, I'm curious yes. to know why you say former.
3: Well, um I I mean, I <laughs> to be completely honest, I was totally a fluoride in the water Illuminati you know, Bohemian Grove, the rich people, you know, are doing weird rituals. You know, I, I kind of I wouldn't say that I was a diehard, you know, but you could find yourself talking to me in a bar for too long. Does that make sense? Like, I <laughs> yeah. might talk too long. So I was never hardcore. My dad was very hardcore when I was growing up, Illuminati, mm-hmm. conspiracy theorist, uh the episode called uh, "The End of the World," which is the season one finale of our show, actually has an interview with my dad in it, uh, and he was kind oh, of an cool. apocalypse prepper when I was growing up. So I, I grew up in a situation where there was a lot of fantastical thinking, um, for mm-hmm. for better and for worse, and um, that just really colored my life in really special and amazing ways, and and being able to believe in in you know in the more beautiful side of of the spiritual world and then also the scarier side of both the spiritual world and the idea that our physical world was going to collapse and, you know, we were going to need our guns and our food and get ready for this weird militia life. And, uh, you know, (laughs) as I entered my early, you know, this was in my teens and 20s and then eventually, you know, he fell off it. And I just also became more skeptical and uh, really honestly, through doing this show more and more it, it. I get more and more skeptical in ways that I didn't expect that I would. Um, and mm, yeah, conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. And also through this election cycle, I mean, the conspiracy theories were so rampant and so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we keep seeing we keep seeing violence bolstered by conspiracy theories. Um, yeah, when I think about conspiracy theories now, they, they frighten me when they used to intrigue <laughs> me, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, absolutely. So you feel like this show,
3: when, when did you uh, begin American Hysteria? Uh, we started, uh, the actual show started last November, um, and then bef- okay. I was working on it for maybe th- three or four months before that. But it's a lifelong cool. project in okay. a sense, you know? Right. You know
1: what's so interesting to me is that, like, for, I've noticed also when I started doing um, something scary full-time, I, it's weird because I am I'm like simultaneously becoming skeptical and more of a believer, if that makes any sense.
3: Absolutely, it does. Yeah, it's just like
1: the more you learn about something, it's like, okay, this isn't like as scary to me. But then I hear other stories that make me go, wait a second, this is all a thousand percent real. So I don't know, I'm very much torn.
3: (laughs) I feel like I call myself a flexible skeptic. So if if that sounds right for you, you know. uh, All right, yeah. Because (laughs) I think my belief too is like, I mean, I love astrology. I'm a double Leo Scorpio moon, you know, so I like cool. this attention I'm getting right now. And, um, <laughs> But I'm going to go and be, like, really closed off and afterwards and alone with my Scorpio moon. But, uh, you know, I'm not sitting here being like, astrology is certainly true. I'm not going to sit here and be like, the tarot reading you're going to give me is 100% real. But right. I do think that this has been shown to me through American Hysteria so much is like, No matter what, no matter how far we get with science, I think our cultures are always going to need folk magic. We're always going to need, like, some kind of, you know, way that we try to answer these mysteries and and order the chaos of our world. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's wrong? Things like astrology, things like that that aren't, you know, it's one thing to believe in, like, a really oppressive religion. And then it's another thing. I can't think of ways that astrology really harm any of us. (laughs) I don't know. It's a pretty, you know, so I think it's a benign, a benign version of folk magic that we use. But like you said, being a believer and a skeptic is just sort of like the moment in our world, too. We've only had science. We haven't had science for very long.
1: Right. At all. And also we're learning new things all the time. But I feel like we're never going to get to a point where we understand everything. So there's always going to be room where we can use our imagination and sort of... Yeah, that's that's where, like, folk magic and folklore come in. Because, like, there's always going to be that tiny, tiny percent where we'll never know. Like, we will never know why we're here. We'll never know, like, how consciousness was created. But we can theorize about it. We can, like, guess. <laughs> so, Absolutely. I don't know. I feel, yeah, so... I don't know. I think that's kind of (laughs) cool.
3: I think that's really cool. And it's really interesting because I was thinking about, you know, when I was driving in the car being like, what are you going to say today? You know, I was thinking about (laughs) that very thing, you know, and how you're exactly right. There's always going to be. And I have friends that are like big science heads, you know, and can't really entertain Mm -hmm. anything, anything beyond uh, what they can prove. And they, you know, they actually believe that with science, we will answer every question. And that to me Mm. is like, no, we won't, Mm. you know? I don't think we ever will, um, you know, unless we figure out we're living in the simulation and all of that. Right, (laughs) which I am like, oh man, I recently
1: just started reading up a lot about simulation theory and I'm like, oh, we're definitely in a
3: simulation. Oh man, that is the best, that's the best best option for me right now. And uh, it's kind of freeing in a way. And uh, there's a lot of things I've discovered too. Yeah, there's a lot of things I've discovered too about how the brain and the body work. Like if you listen to um, the most recent episode of American Hysteria, we cover the which is perfect for your show. We talk about the history of talking to the dead and spiritualism and channeling. And um, oh, God, what was I going to say? God, too many things. Simulation theory just gets me all fucked up. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe something doesn't want you to
1: remember. Maybe so they glitched your Ooh, brain that's pretty, right oh, now. I just
3: remembered as <laughs> you said that. If you listen to our most recent episode about talking to the dead and spiritualism and like the history of channeling through mediums, uh, I learned about the Ouija board and this thing called the ideomotor effect and how yes. you, you know scientists think that <laughs> that our it's so hard to explain, but that our subconscious mind actually makes decisions for us and we move mm-hmm. and then a split second. Oh, no. It's like our, (laughs) this is so hard to explain. It's like our subconscious (laughs) tricks our conscious mind into thinking that we made a decision that was already made by our subconscious. Mm. And it's really hard to explain, but it really feels sort of like we're living in a simulation (laughs) because, you know, it's like somebody (laughs) pressed a button, like jump. But then you think that you made that decision because your brain tricks you into thinking it because the simulation wouldn't work otherwise.
1: Oh, man. My mind is, like, all over the floor right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know, Um, I know. I did an episode, like, a year ago, I think, about the history of the Ouija board. And, like, I... Because I grew up in a very Catholic family, and so it was very much, like... Don't do it, don't like mess with anything. The occult, tarot's evil, Ouija's evil. So I grew up being afraid of it, but also very interested. And so now that I'm older, like I'm obsessed with everything and learning about everything. And the more that I learn about it, the more I realize if I touch a Ouija board, I'm not going to become possessed, which is what like my mom told me <laughs> would happen. Yep. But uh-huh. like there actually is this really cool thing that um happened in an experiment. People were in a lab and then they were asked questions. And just like on average, they would get 50% of the questions correct. Um, They were just like random trivia questions. And then when they would put the Ouija board in front of the subject and be like, okay, so there's someone in the other room that also has a Ouija board who's also going to be asked the same questions. Um, And so, you know, if you can, like tap into their consciousness or like connect to them and see if you guys can come up with an answer together. But obviously there was no one on the other side of the wall. They were just like watching to see what happened. And what they found was that the average number of correct answers increased when they had a Ouija board. There's just, there's something that happens when we feel like there is something else that is helping us or something else that is like controlling us. If it's like, kind of like the placebo
3: effect a little bit, right? Because I've been yeah. studying the placebo effect because I'm working on an episode right now in the future that's called Quackery and it's about mm. you know the history of of uh, alternative medicine and the ways that you know the history of that and uh, but the placebo effect is so fascinating because on in in a way like. It's not wrong that you can you think your way out of certain things. Right. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. it's really problematic when you start saying if you have enough positive thoughts, it'll cure your cancer. But, you know, in, in a certain sense, it's it is interesting when the placebo effect It it's like it's like, dang, there's another Ouija board. There's a few Ouija board stories, and I don't know how true they are, but about people who the Ouija board told them quote unquote, told them to do things like kill their husband for insurance mm. money. And then they carried it out and used the defense of a demon or whatever told me to do it through the Ouija board. And, of course, we well, we can maybe agree that that was probably just a subconscious desire manifested into right. the Ouija board, right? But nonetheless, someone got murdered, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's, 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 I don't know. I'm scared of Ouija boards. I don't do it. Oh, I'm you scared. are? Okay, so have you bit. ever
1: used one or have been, like,
3: around one? or? Oh, yeah. I mean, growing up, I really – I use them all the time. I mean, I was really into ghost hunting as a teenager, um, and so mm-hmm. I would just do it alone. And I didn't have much Ouija board. Like, I think I was a little bit too – skeptical of the Ouija board but of course I did it late nights you know in uh, sleepovers and uh, all of that and always made everybody do it and they didn't want to but I was like no we're doing the seance at every sleepover um so I was that I was that (laughs) kid um did anything ever happen not on the Ouija board but I have other paranormal stories if you'd like to hear (gasps) one of those yes I am very excited to hear these
2: scary story podcast brings original short scary stories right to your ears every week like dead of night the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation or another recent one the delivery where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory my name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Okay, this is...
3: This is wild, okay? And this is not, okay, I have two that I'm going to tell. And I will start by saying I know that my mother, if she's listening, wants me to tell her paranormal stories about the time that she put on this ring at a haunted hotel and it was very very hot. And so I wanted to give her a shout out and let her know that I <laughs> mentioned her story, but that this is my time to talk about my paranormal stories. Um anyway, you can include Sorry, that Chelsea's or not, mom. But... <laughs> yeah, hi hi mom. Um so <laughs> My granny also has a ton of wild stories, but um, so it's just something in our family, I think. But uh, anyway, my my biggest paranormal story was back when I got really into uh, past lives. Um, have you mm. ever been into that at all, or read anything about that? I idea? have.
1: I never yeah. got to a point where I was able to access them. Like I tried okay. doing the meditations, but I don't think but I you ever did got to try.
3: That point. You tried. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> okay. All right. So you know kind of what I'm talking about here. So mm-hmm. yeah, With, like I the got... Akashic records and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I met this like <laughs> I met this. I used to. Ah, I still am, but I used to be a traveler. Um, travel around in my truck. Uh, And, uh, you know, for months at a time. And this one time I met this guy uh, whose name was Shaman Ziggy, um, who is exactly who he sounds like. And um, (laughs) he taught me about uh, I'm not going to go into that more, but he told me all about how to try to access your past lives and the meditation to do it. And and my my stepmom and her. Mom are also can remember their past lives. They're uh, indigenous folks, and they can remember, like in a much more spiritual and just very cool way, these past lives that they have, just vividly. Um, I did this. And I, you know, sunk deep into my consciousness. And I got to this point where I was having whatever that experience is that people can have where it doesn't feel like you are creating what you're seeing, right? Like something's being shown Hmm. to you. And so I got down. Basically, you climb down this stairway while you kind of like think about yourself aging backwards until you get to yourself being a baby. And then you keep going and going down these stairs and then you enter this different world and you're supposed to like really look at things around you and just really so that you get really sort of mindful in in the imagined experience whatever you want to call it so anyway I was down there in that space and I see this man all right and he's huddled down he's crouched down and he's got his face all dirtied up and he's covered in this camouflage netting do you know what I mean like like, an army guy would have on, right? You know what I'm talking about? Um, Mm -hmm. It's important. Okay. So he's got this army netting on, and he's got, you know, a dog tag, and he's just huddled down, you know, like he's in the middle of, of war, right? So I go up to him. And I'm able to, like, grab his dog tag, and I look at it, and it says just J. Solomon, the name J. Solomon. I'm like, okay. Okay. And then um, I try to go farther, and then it was just all so intense that it just, like, kicked me out of it, and I, you know, that was all I got. So I went, and I was like, okay, well, that was interesting and weird. So I Googled this person, J. Solomon. I just typed it into Google. The first person that comes up is this guy named Solomon J. Solomon who invented camouflage netting
1: whoa what's that
3: dude like (laughs) and uh what this is not i am not lying about any of this like i'm not exaggerating this story has not changed from its you know inception it's just uh it was it still haunts me and i saw him again in another like whatever past life hypno whatever and he was trying to show me something in a book like really intensely but i couldn't Read it. And I've never been able to, like, see what he was trying to tell me. So he's trying to tell me something. I don't think he's me. I think he's some other person that was important. You don't or, think I don't know. that he was you in a me. past life? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know, though. I don't wow. Know. Wait, first of all, his name was Solomon J. Solomon? Yep, he's an artist. <laughs> Did you look him up? Uh, no, that's just a ridiculous name. I love it. <laughs> I know. Isn't it great? I know. It's a great name. But, yeah, so that that was one. And then another one, which is kind of fun that I like to tell. I mean, I just have so many. But this one feels so – and this, again, is also not an exaggerated story. And these happened more recently, so they're not, like, my teen ones that I can't trust are not now exaggerated. <laughs> um, but, uh <laughs> This I was sitting with my friend Eli, and we were at my dad's house, and uh, we were talking. It was really late, and we were catching up. And he had been staying at my dad's house, uh, and he told me that something about, you know, how these raccoons were, getting, you know, I don't know. This sounds so funny, but the raccoons were getting in the house, and uh, they, uh, <laughs> they, uh, I don't know. He was just talking about, oh, maybe they're not raccoons, maybe they're ghosts. And because uh, he also likes creepy stuff. And then I said in that moment, I said, oh, it was definitely a ghost. And then this s- sound from above in the attic no. goes like, boom. And then you could hear no. like all of the dirt trickle down the wall. And then I kid you not, a cabinet just opened itself and goes. like no. right by our head. <laughs> Yeah. No. And that was it was like we didn't talk about ghosts what? the entire night. We talked about ghosts for that three seconds uh-huh. and we had a direct response and those things are like the you know as much as I'm a skeptic I'm also like a statistics person right it's like what are the <laughs> yeah. chances what are the chances that that whatever happened what I don't know there's no one there's nothing upstairs you know it's just an attic so it's either a <sighs> raccoon or a ghost
1: whoa so if you had a guess if it was a spirit who do you think it was
3: <sighs> gosh I don't know I don't know Someone funny. Yeah. Someone yeah, who's got to good sense of humor.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, did anything else happen after that? Or were you guys kind of like, all right, let's not talk
3: about no, this anymore? No, I mean, we we screamed. Like, we. I mean, <laughs> we screamed, like, more in glee than fear, you know? Because right. I'm not really scared of ghosts. So anytime a ghost thing happens, I'm more stoked than I am, like, afraid of them. They just don't scare me. Um, so we were excited. Mm. But, of course, a little creeped out. I mean, I'm not. I'm human. It was It was very creepy for sure. But I'm also oh, wow. used to it, man. I just I I had a lot my dad and me have seen some weird we've heard a lot of weird stuff and I don't know. Everyone in my family's always been just a hardcore believer. My mom and my granny also, you know, like we all have these experiences and believe in them. And so, it's like fertile ground. Um.
1: Whether or not you believe in the spiritual world or if you're a very rational person, it definitely comes from how you were raised. Because for me, like in the Filipino culture, there's no question that ghosts and spirits are real. It's like a very, very real thing. So that's how I was raised. And I just like wonder if, I don't know, if I was in like a different (laughs) kind of family, if I still would be this way. But everyone in my family also has just really cool Cool. Well, I guess I don't know if I want to call them cool. They all have like insane paranormal stories and I'm like one of the only ones who's never experienced anything. And it's like kind of a bummer, but also I'm kind of glad because I genuinely think I would shit myself if like (laughs) something happens to me. Like I'm definitely very afraid.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't blame you at all for that. Um... So
1: how do you know since you are also a rational person, but then you also have these moments. So how do you know? when something is occurring what makes you think okay this is something paranormal or okay there's a very rational explanation for this
3: oh maybe just the mood that i'm in you know <laughs> i don't know yeah. i think i think we have this weird thing about belief because it's like in our culture belief has sort of come to mean that like this is real and definitive and you know, you can't tell me that my beliefs are wrong, et cetera, et cetera. But the word belief to me implies that you might be wrong, right? You're you're making right. a leap of faith here. And so it's just funny to me that we've equated, you know, belief with this, I don't know, with the idea of skepticism as if they're opposites when really I I see believing as making a choice. And if you're not making a choice right. and you're believing in something, then that's when... It's dangerous and can be harmful. But if, you know, if a paranormal thing happens and I decide that was a ghost, that was, you know, that's more fun. That's more interesting. And uh, (laughs) there's more there for me than just like ghosts aren't real. You know, that's just not fun. Yeah.
1: And honestly, like, how boring is that just to be like, oh, whatever opened that cabinet. That was just like the wind. And like, okay, so what? a
3: coincidence. I like a balance between uh, between both. (laughs) You know, just somewhere in there, because I can't stand the I can't really I have a hard time with people that can that believe in in really, really outrageous things. But again, it's not right. the believing it's the it, that's not the driving force isn't making a choice. It's a, a fear based decision a lot of the time.
1: So you mentioned that you used to do tarot readings before.
3: hmm. Um, what right. got you
1: into them and what made you stop doing it?
3: Ooh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, <laughs> I haven't thought about this in a while. Let's see. Um, well, back in the day, I used to go traveling a lot, as I mentioned. Uh, I used to even hitchhike and travel in my truck, and I was just one of those, one of them. And uh, I, <laughs> uh, I I, got into tarot because, it, I don't know, it really works with with being on the road and with being in this sort of like in the moment, um, not really knowing what's going to happen next and sort of being guided by, you know, the invisible hand of whatever, Mm -hmm. um, God or energy or whatever thing you decide is the driving force of the world. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I, I used to give tarot readings a lot to, to people that I met, um, sort of as like a service, right. Or as something to trade Mm -hmm. or, um. And I just, I loved, I mean, I love the way tarot cards look. And I am I am a hardcore dedicated to the Rider-Waite, ca- like, classic mm-hmm. deck. And I, I just love it, even though it has a very interesting and problematic history. But um, I really, those images just, when I was growing up, whenever I just, I didn't know anything about tarot cards, but they would just, I would see them and they would be so striking to me. Um, yeah. And that just really, really pulled me in. And uh, just, you know, I, I'm a seeker, so it was, I feel like it's sort of like one of the things you check off your, your seeker list as you as you go along (laughs) in the world and i think what what got me out of it though and this is this is funny and weird is that sometimes you get to a point in your life where you don't want to hear the truth and the tarot cards Hmm. the tarot cards are not kind always i feel like tarot cards are direct and yeah it doesn't mean like it's not they're they're neither kind nor cruel they're just honest and direct and sometimes in your life you're not ready for that and uh I got to a point where I wasn't ready to to hear what the cards had to say because, you know, a part of me knew that maybe I wasn't I wasn't living my my best life or I wasn't on the right path or whatever. And I didn't Uh that I didn't I wasn't ready for the cards to tell me that. Right. So I just kind of fell out of it. But uh, I did it for many years. I mean, I used to I even did it. I was at Occupy Wall Street in New York for a while. And I did I did tarot card there. And uh, yeah, it's a throwback. Right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's not even very long ago. It feels like, oh my God, it feels like 20 years ago. Um, That was my tarot journey, but I'm very excited. I have not had a reading in a very, very long time, and so I'm ready now. I'm ready to hear what the rest have to say. Yay. Okay, so before
1: we get into it, I'll just explain the way that I do it. Um, I'm glad that, like, you have experience with it, so, like, you totally get it already. Um, But I basically like to use it as just, like, a way to tap into your own intuition because I feel like there's a lot of misconception about what tarot cards are or any divination thing in general. People are like, oh, there's no way you can predict the future. But it's like we're actually predicting the future all the time, like all the time. Uh, with our own lives. And the way that you do that is by seeing the path that you're currently on and like just kind of assuming where you would go based on like past experiences and stuff we're all constantly predicting the future just for some reason when we late when we add these things like tarot cards or tea leaves whatever people see it as like a weird thing but no and then also the future is totally flexible and malleable the future can change if you change the present You know, like not to get all apocalyptic, but like uh, the world's going to end in like 2050. So if we don't do anything now, that's what our future is, you know, so like you
3: can predict the future. You can say if we don't stop doing X, Y and Z, then X, Y and Z are most likely going to happen. And it's the same with an individual. You know, if you continue on this path this will probably be the result. But it's not that the future is fixed. I think the movies do that. They're like, you get the death card, which, of course, doesn't mean actually Yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to die. Yeah, No. But then it's this, like, uh, I don't know. It's just uh, they think that that means that this is, like, set in stone versus, like, a warning or a... I mean, it's not even a warning, right? I don't know. It's just, like, a matter-of-fact, like, yeah, if you keep making these choices, then this will be the result. Is that the result you want? If not... You know, tarot cards gives you a chance to pause and and think about that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's like the way that you react to the cards is more important than what the cards actually are. It's the the reader's job to sort of frame the cards in a way that'll make sense to the person being read to. um, Because you can get any cards... And still kind of make the same story out of them, if that makes absolutely. sense. But oh, yeah, absolutely. But what's really cool is when the cards are like so accurate and it's like, what? Those are like my favorite moments.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 cool. I, I'm I, ready. So, yay!
1: OK, so have you thought about your question?
3: I think my question is I think. Yeah, I think my question is something like. Should I be paying more attention? Because I've been working in such a skeptical sort of, you know, section right. of my brain, should I be paying more attention to the mystery and to the spiritual world? Like, am I lacking something in ignoring that part of myself? Something right. I feel like I am. Yeah.
1: <gasps> I love that question. All right. Cool. So um, I'm going to keep shuffling. Just tell me when you feel like I should stop. <laughs> okay. Alright, cool. Um, any particular place from the deck you want me to pull from? Top, middle, bottom? Uh, middle. Middle. All right. And I don't do reverse cards. It just okay. gets too like. I don't really like reverse cards either. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. The two cards that I pulled for you, the first one is the Queen of Swords, and then the second one is Ace of Wands. Okay. Um, so I'll just describe what they look like for the listener. Uh, so the Queen of Swords, uh, it's a woman sitting on a throne. I think she's in a forest. <laughs> there's a bunch of clouds. There's a blue sky, and she's holding a giant sword, and she's got her arm out like she's she's making decisions.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: <laughs> and then we've got the Ace of Wands, which is in the future position. Um, so it's basically just like a hand that is coming out of a cloud, and it's holding this giant wand. Okay, so initially the first thing that I see, um, the fact that your present card is the Queen of Swords. It's like the sword. It's a very rational suit. Um, It's about cutting away unnecessary things. It's about like judgment, formulation, stuff like that. The way I picture it is like a sword, it's like a knife, so you're like cutting away everything that's unnecessary and also just like being straightforward. So, the fact that you are the queen of swords and you're present that's very much you right now, with um, your very skeptical show. The queen of swords is representing you here, I think.
3: I think that sounds right, yeah, yeah.
1: And then the ace of wands, um, so aces usually represent the start of something new, um, and wands. Oh, that's, <laughs> wands usually uh, relate to magic, starting something, you know, because a wand you create something with. So I think it's interesting that the Ace of Wands is in your future position.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, that that sounds, <laughs> sounds again, like, weirdly accurate. I think it's, it's telling me that, kind of what I already know, and I, I've been trying to get back in touch with that stuff, you know, a little bit more. And yeah. So I think it's just a natural progression saying, you know, if you keep going, like, Hopefully I'll find a balance because I've been missing it, man. You know, it's been hurting my heart sometimes when I'm like walking down the yeah. street and I'm just like, I'm just like nothing's magical and everything is has an explanation. And like everything we're in a simulation <laughs> is <isn't> my favorite, <laughs> yeah. but it still feels like the most scientific and non-wonderous explanation in a sense, even though it's fun and weird to think about. But it, it's it doesn't hold that same like we all have a path to follow and our lives have meaning. And, uh, right. you know, when you when you lose that, it's hard, man. I don't envy people that have zero percent of that, you know, and I, I right. felt like I was heading there and I don't want to be that person.
1: So what things do you think you can do to get back in touch with that
3: side of you? You know, I think it for me, it has a lot to do with having enough alone time and just really, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a solitary person. I'm a very I'm a very big extrovert. But at the same time, I like to be very alone a lot just so I can continue mm-hmm. to sort of be in touch with that. And uh, yeah, I just think that I don't know, just getting back out into the world and just talking to more people and and meeting new people. I think that that often sort of lights up those parts of you when you hear other people's stories and you hear other people's experiences and opinions and views. And I don't know, it it gives a new dimension to the world. And I think I just need to talk to more strangers, which you can learn about why that's (laughs) not dangerous on our episode about stranger danger. Um, But anyway, yeah. So I think I think I'm heading there. I think the cards know. I think they know what's going on. Yeah, And I appreciate their and your insights as well.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, It's actually kind of cool. I mean, you can't see it, but if you look up (laughs) the Queen of Swords and the Ace of Wands and put them next to each other, the Queen of Swords is facing to the right with her arm out, and then the Ace of Wands is facing to the left. So it almost looks like the Queen is, like, directly addressing the hand in front of her and being like, that's where I want to be. But then also has the sword in her hand, being like, "I also want this too. I want to find like a balance." So that's, that's kind of cool. cool.
3: That's very cool. That's very cool. <laughs> I can see it in my head too. You painted a picture. It's good. That was that was very oh, cool, good. <laughs> you know, I mean, this yeah. is what I'm saying. The cards, like, I know we all have confirmation bias and are looking for them to make sense. But I mean, that's makes all sense. Is that so bad? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I can believe that. Well, I hope this sort of helped (laughs) it does it does it helps it helps you know it helps me feel like uh i'm making i'm making the right choices and uh keep keeping the keeping the magic alive well this was really fun thank you so much for joining me this was so fun i hope that i wasn't a rambling no i loved it um is there anything that you would like to plug sure um we are – something that I think your listeners would be into is I work for Skylark Media and uh, American Hysteria is a Skylark Media podcast, and I'm also a producer there. A couple things I want to plug, Feminist Folklore, which is a very cool conversational podcast, which is exactly what it sounds like. Two really smart women, Carly and Rachel, and they talk about uh, the stories that we've told for generations, fairy tales, myths, and and how they – Um, apply to women back then and today. And so that's a great show. Oh, I love it. We've also got Earthbreak, which stars Jenny Slate, which is an amazing apocalyptic audio drama. I mean, Jenny Slate is like the best uh, comedian out there. I love her so uh, much. She's so fantastic. So we got her for this really great show that just ended. We have Blackwood, which is an audio drama about an urban legend in a small town and three teenagers investigating it, which is amazing. And then we also have something we're working on called The Long Hallway, which is... They are mini, like, Twilight Zone-esque horror stories that are going to be about eight minutes long. And if you come back oh, cool. and listen to that, which is going to be out in a few months, you can hear my first uh, audio drama horror short that I wrote <gasps> that I'm very excited about. Oh, you wrote it! I did. I wrote one of them. It's all within the company, so anybody in the company can, can submit a story, and then we, uh, we pick the ones uh, to make a season. So those are going to start, I think, in July, sometime in the summer. Sweet. I'm going to look out for that.
1: And also your show, American Hysteria. Oh, yeah, my American Hysteria. So, yeah. <laughs>
3: um, listen to my show. Uh, it's out Mondays. We have uh, mini episodes called The Aftershock, which I'm really proud of that name, every other week. <laughs> and then we have main episodes coming out. We have a whole first season that you can go and binge if you want to.
1: I love your show. I think it's great. I think you do a really great job.
3: Well, thank you so much. I really do. I really, I hold your opinion (laughs) in high regard. So thank you. Oh my Um, god. (laughs) Oh, if you want to throw this in, American Hysteria has our first live show in Seattle on June 27th. So if any of you our listeners are enjoying this and want to come see, it's going to be ridiculous. Satan's in the show. Tinky Winky's in the show. We have model. You know, we have people doing the illegal dances from the 1920s. You know, it's just like. (laughs) It's not your normal podcast event. It's a it's a like a vaudevillian sort of variety hour. So if anybody's oh, cool. com- you know, in, in Seattle, June twenty seventh, uh, you can find it. You can find the event. I promise.
1: That's awesome.
3: Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. This was so wonderful. I really yeah, I really love this and thanks again for my reading and I'm going to be pondering it for days to come. So thank you.
1: Window to the Soul was based on a story written by Elaine Buckner. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley. Music and audio editing for this podcast by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams.